For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas in the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Uh, normally, we would, head it out, uh, we would head out to the Circa Sports Guest Hotline and be joined by a guest. But I did want to bring up something before we go into... Uh, our guests, which will be in the next segment when we went, when we welcome Brandon Deutsch and Grant Moner to talk a little bit about sports uh, in Las Vegas, Southern California, and Hawaii. I, I want to talk about what's happening with the Raiders right now because I think it's a it's a phenomenal phenomenal testament to what can happen if you choose the right coach. And I say this because Josh McDaniels was so clearly not the right coach. For Las Vegas. I'm not saying that they have the talent there to win a championship. And I don't even know if they have the talent right now to make a postseason run. But I do think that they have the uh, talent to make some noise. And when you look at what they've done since firing Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, and the significance with Ziegler is this. I mean, he was the GM. Uh, he had picked Josh McDaniels as the coach of this team. He had picked Jimmy Garoppolo to be the quarterback of this team. They were trying to create New England West. They were trying to create what they had done with the Patriots out in Las Vegas. And I get that it is a perfect blueprint for success in the National Football League when you talk about a franchise that's won six Super Bowls. I think it's very clear, however, that a big reason for that run, for that dominance that they had in winning those Super Bowls was Tom Brady, who's now... Um, you know, to whatever extent, a part of the franchise with the Raiders. But it was very clear that Mark Davis had put in control uh, a GM that did not have the respect of the players and a coach that did not have the, the, the respect of the players. And to a certain extent, a quarterback that uh, I, I don't want to use the word respect, but uh, the, I don't think the guys believe that this was the guy, that this was the quarterback to lead them to the postseason, that this was the best chance they had to win and with the moves that they made in putting a new head coach in place in Antonio Pierce Antonio Pierce a former 
player in the National Football League, a former linebacker, a former uh, Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants. I think that they, ha- they have a coach in place, at least in the short term, that the players can rally around, that the players believe in, that they, that they can buy into this guy and trust him and put themselves in the best position to win games. And with Zidane O'Connell, again, they have a quarterback that gives them the best chance to win. No one's saying that Zidane O'Connell is the next uh, Tom Brady. We get that. But at least with Pierce and O'Connell, the locker room buys into these guys. The locker room believes that these guys give them the best chance to win week in and week out. And that's all you can hope for them. Again, their victory over the New York Jets on Sunday night was not pretty. In fact, it was uh, a pretty, uh, like, ugly brand of football right there. At the end of the day, you, you know what? They won. And when you blow out the New York Giants prior to that, they're not being uh, the best team in the league. In fact, they're beating one of the worst teams in the league. But you know what? It's a victory. So now they've strung together back-to-back victories. And I cannot even begin to tell you the significance of that when you've gone through what they have this season in terms of having back-to-back losses against the lowly Chicago Bears in a Division uh, two quarterback, and then Detroit. So at least now they've put together two straight wins. They're back to 500. And now they're in the conversation. They're in the postseason conversation. People are talking about this team as a team that you don't want to play come postseason time. Uh, you know, what does that mean for the future of Antonio Pierce to be the head coach of this team? What does that mean for O'Connell to be the future, again, permanent starting quarterback, permanent head coach of this team? We'll see. But in the short term, they've at least righted the ship and put themselves in a position to compete. So I do want to play for you just because I, I think that it's really remarkable this team's turnaround after two games. I want to play for you the post-game press conference that both Antonio Pierce and Dayton O'Connell had following the Sunday night victory against the New York Jets. You can just hear it in the voices. You can just hear it in uh, their voices, in the players' voices, that they've turned this thing around. And now, at the very least, when you're driving, you want to go in the right direction. This team, the Las Vegas Raiders, are headed in the right direction. Coach, two quick questions for you. First of all, you went for it fourth down your side of the field. It just reminded everybody of how you played as a player and your team responded. Can you talk about their response tonight? Yeah, I thought, you know, at that point, we had the momentum. Um, There's a play we worked in practice. It got our defense a couple times. Um, It's kind of hard to see little DC right there. And obviously a great great block by Josh uh, Jacobs. But that's just believing in your team. Like, we're right there at the 50-yard line. Our defense was playing really good football. Uh, I felt we were controlling the game defensively, and, I, you know, kind of went my gut. Went with my gut. The offensive line tonight, you know, certainly had their hands full with the Jets, but that's one of the best defenses in all the NFL. So when you think about the fact Colton was out and who they were playing, how proud <clears throat> are you of that offensive line, Coach? Uh, very. I mean, we talked about that early in the week, obviously, with Miller being out. Big ups to Jermaine. Switching from right tackle to left tackle. Uh, not easy doing that <laughs> in the middle of the season, late in the season. He did it like a champ. Gave us the best five that we felt to put out there to give us the opportunity to win the game. Just a lot of, you know, what you see what I think with this team is guys being, you know, whatever it takes to do for one another, they're willing to do it. And, and that's what I'm proud about uh, with them. Uh, it wasn't pretty at times, but they kept battling. They believed. Uh, Coach uh, Alan Snell here with LVSportsBiz.com. <clears throat> Can you talk a little 
about the extent to which the change of culture, the change of attitude has converted into two wins in a row now? Well, I mean, it's football. You know, not everything's going to go your, your way. Uh, nobody's trying to make a mistake. <laughs> Nobody does anything on purpose to have a bad call or, you know, do something silly. Um, and like I told these guys at the very beginning, we're all fortunate to be in the National Football League. We're all f fortunate to work for a great organization, fan base, and alumni. And when you come to work every day, do it with a smile. Because uh, one day that door's going to close, you're not going to be able to walk in there no more. Um, and it was no different than today. Our fans, they kept us in the game. Their energy, their passion, um, their support throughout. That's what energized our guys at the end. And then if you watched at the very you know, the last 30 seconds, I think you saw our entire bench up on the sideline rooting on our defense, talking to Devontae right next to me, Josh Jacobs. I mean, all those guys are sitting there just rallying the troops. That's what this culture is about. It's about team. Coach, I'd like you to talk about the job that Bo Hardegree did tonight. I thought he <clears throat> did an exceptional job calling a game for Aiden doing what he could do, sir. Right. Uh, let's go back to the very beginning. This, that was a good defense. <laughs> it, looked, it looked good on paper. It looked good on tape. It was good in person. And I thought Bo and Aiden handled everything they were throwing at us. Uh, very, very talented group up front. Well-coached group. Um, you can see why they're in every game. You can see why they're, they're, they're right there in the mix. Um, but Bo and Aiden and myself, you know, had three rookies, right? Right, three rookies. Um, figuring out together. And believing in one another, good, bad, or ugly, we're going to ride with one another. Coach, it seemed like creatively you were uh, getting Devontae Adams involved in the game early. Different plays, different looks. And uh, how, how big and important is that in your game plan? Well, I mean, what's the first thing you saw when you watched the Jets? They loaded the box. And we're going to have opportunities there for Devontae. And obviously you saw the first couple of plays is right to him. Get the ball in his hands, get him going. Um, listen, when you got one of the best receivers in the game, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I know who to get the ball to, 17 and 8. We got some other good football players, some really good ones, and Jacoby Myers and, and Hunter Winfrow. And can't talk about Big Mike. That was a huge play by Big Mike in the red zone. Um, you just got boss, right? That was, that's going to be on the tape, so good for Big Mike. Tim Woods with Sports Fan Rap. Uh, just want to give you a shout-out and give you a congratulations, man. Uh, seeing you come through this journey and seeing Raider Nation all the way live out there and uh, seeing the guys just run around and rap and uh, get around to that ball. And uh, the defense just looked like they stepped up. It reminded me of uh, some of the old days. And I uh, just want to congratulate you on behalf of Mount San Antonio College and uh, very proud to know and see you uh, leading these guys and have the Raiders in contention for the playoffs. I hope that you keep this job and they keep you here for a long time. And I saw a lot of people that said the same thing. That's all I got. Me and Tim Woods played junior college together, Sack Dogs, National Championship, 1997. All right. Hey, Coach. Uh, yes, sir. So I noticed you had Black Forces on today. So I want to know about your, uh, your mental state going into this game, wearing them forces. Raider Nation know what that means. Stand up. Blacked out. They speak for themselves. You guys all set? Thanks, Coach. Oh, one more. Oh, one more back here. <clears throat> Antonio, Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal. How much are, are you enjoying this? How much fun are you having in real time being a part of this? Uh, tonight? Yeah. Yeah, I had fun when I got in the locker room. On that grass? That was different. That was stressful. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to do this for 30 years. I don't know how these guys do it. Um, man, it's just fun being around the, 
the guys, man. Uh, that's the reason why I got back into coaching. You know, as a former player, that's the one thing you always miss is that locker room feeling, that, that being with one another, that, that continuity, that I need to pick me up. And I need a little pick me up out there, too. You know, I don't know if I have my poker face on, but I, I tried my best. But you, that's what you miss, man. The guys just fighting, doing it together. Then when you walk in that locker room and to see everybody smile and see the celebration and see all the hard work that we've done over the past several days come to fruition, uh, it's fun. Forever long I'm here as a Raider, as a head coach, shit, we're going to have a blast. All right, thank you. Aiden, I'd like to take you back to that last, I think it was the last drive of the first half where it appeared to me, but I wanted to get your opinion. It looked like you threw the ball into the ground because that was a safe, just to throw the ball away. Is that accurate? Sorry, the end of the first half? I think it was the end of the first half. I apologize. It, so much happened at the end, but it's where the one where you threw it into the ground, it looked like that was intentional because the guy was covered. Was that inaccurate? Uh, I can't remember the play, but I think, I think so. I threw it over by yeah. Devontae, uh, Michael or someone over there. Yeah, I think I, I did. Okay, second of all, that is one of the best defenses in all of the National Football League, and without Colton Miller... Your offensive line certainly had their hands full, but I thought they played very well considering who they were playing and who was out. Did you agree? And can I get your analysis of the offensive yeah, line? Yeah, one hundred percent. That's like you said. It's it's an unbelievable unit. It starts up front for them. They got some great players up front and um, great linebackers, great secondary. And so yeah, we knew obviously with Colton out, um, you, you never want the guys to be down. But guys stepped up and played really well. I held on to the ball too much in the first half and uh, probably got in trouble with with those sacks there. And so. Um, you know, put those on me. I got to get rid of the ball faster, make better decisions. And so, man, super proud of the offensive line. Battled their butts off, ran the ball well. Um, yeah. How much did you grow up today? And how much did you learn about perseverance at your position? Yeah, I think a lot. You know, I think it was a tough game. It was up and down. And um, obviously we were down and had to come back. And um, even the second half up and down, we... Even each drive, there was ups and downs, you know, getting second and short and then penalty or a bad play by us or um, a negative play on first and 10 and behind the stick. So kind of just, you know, all over the place and definitely not a super clean performance from us. Um, but, you know, it's it's really hard to win in the National Football League as I'm learning. And, um, you know, I think it's just really proud of our, our guys, our defense, special teams, an awesome job keeping us in the game for a while. And then, you know, a lot of guys on offense stepped up to make plays when they needed to. Aiden, I'd like to ask you about your maturation as a player, if you would, please. When when your coach on your side of the 50 goes forward on fourth down, what's that say to an offensive unit? What, what How does that make you guys feel when he says, all right, let's go, let's roll the dice and go? Yeah, you know, it's it's aggressive. You know, there's, there's um, a sense where there's just no fear, and, you know, you have to play the game in order to win. You don't try to just keep from losing, and I think, you know, I, I love the call from Bo. I, honestly, I love the – the uh, third down call on the last drive too. Um, we were throwing the ball. I know it's you know you, you think to run the ball and run the clock out, but you know it's it's a tip ball away from ending the game there. And so you know it's it's a fine line of, of being dumb and being aggressive. And I think you know I just I, I trust what the coaches call and try to do my job the best I can. You guys all set? Yeah. The Sam and Hondo last two. Um, the 
touchdown pass to, to Michael. Just can you walk us through that and, and the ball skills that he showed on that play? When did you first see those ball skills that he had, be it in training camp or, or another time? Yeah, I think pretty early on, Michael's shown us that he's a, a special player. Even Ricky Minicamp, um, I remember him just being the super tough guy. I remember like him having blisters all over his feet and his socks are full of blood. And um, we knew, I think, as an offense and as a team, we had a, a you know a really good young player there, and um, he did an awesome job making an awesome play. You know, I kind of just threw it up and let him be a football player. And uh, man, he he made an awesome play. That was great protection again by the offensive line too. I held on the ball. They're even still a little bit too long, and so um, just. It's kudos to the guys around me for making plays. Aiden, I'd like to ask you about Bo and AP. They're calling a game with the stuff that you know allowing you to grow. How comfortable is that? And obviously, you've got a whole long ways to keep growing. It's not like this is the end. It's just the beginning. But how is that knowing, okay, they're calling a game to help me? Yeah, I think it's it's huge. Like I said last week, Bo is the coach I spent the most time with since I've I've been in the NFL, and so um, it's really cool to see our relationship grow as we're taking these steps together. And uh, you know, I I love how hard Bo works and how much he puts into the game. And um, you know, there's like I said, there's an aggressive play style and play calling to AP and and Bo, both of those guys. And so all the confidence in the world in our entire coaching staff. They're doing an awesome job. Um, and under the circumstances. And so, yeah, it's, it's been fun. Thanks, guys. All right, that was coach, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, Antonio Pierce, and quarterback Aiden O'Connell talking about uh, really the state of the team and their victory against the New York Jets on Sunday night football. Um, what they've done right now is they've basically hit the reset button. And it's really important when you have a coach you can bring in to do that. Some teams, by the way, don't have that coach. Some teams that may be in a situation where uh, they have a head coach who's lost the locker room, there's no lieutenant in place there that they can depend on and say, you know what, if we bring in this guy, this guy will turn things around. It's unique because they had that exact guy in Antonio Pierce because one of the, the reasons there was dissension amongst the coaching staff and in particular between Josh McDaniels and Antonio Pierce, was Antonio Pierce got before the team. And one of his kind of, uh, you know, ways to encourage the guys to believe in each other and to play together was talking about the New York Giants team that he was on that won a Super Bowl and defeated the undefeated New England Patriots. Again, I mean, they... That is a sore spot, and that is something that most New England Patriots coaches and players don't want to talk to. So when Antonio Pierce got in front of the players and said, hey, guys, you got to believe in each other. You guys have to believe in each other. Even if no one outside this locker room believes in you, you got to believe in each other. And, and to really drive home that point, he said that that New York Giants team that beat the Cowboys on the road that they went to uh, the Green Bay Packers in the championship game and beat the Packers on the road. And then they got to the Super Bowl and they beat the undefeated New England Patriots who were one win away from becoming just the second team in NFL history to go undefeated. They beat that team. And Josh McDaniels went up to Antonio Pierce following his big talk. They got the players all riled up. And he said, don't ever talk about the New England Patriots that way again. And uh, by the way, if we're hearing about that story, then I, I, I can assure you a lot of p- people around the, the uh, team did, coaches, players. And that story got back to Mark Davis. And I think Josh McDaniels had already put himself in a tough position 
where if things were going to continue to progress as they were going, uh, he was going to lose his job. But I think there was enough time in this season and they had the right coach in place. And I don't know if I don't know if Antonio Pierce is the right guy long term. I think what happened to Rich Pasaccia does put Antonio Pierce in a position where he has more than a fighting chance to become the permanent head coach of this team. I think Mark Davis, uh, again, when you go back to when he fired and parted ways with John Gruden and Rich Pasaccia took over, led that team that had dealt with so much that season. To the postseason, he parted ways uh, in 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 and hired Josh McDaniels. I, I think there's some regret there now when you look at what, what what's happened with Josh McDaniels. So now as he kind of begins this process and and it's begun now of looking for the permanent head coach and the permanent GM of this team. I think if this team turns it around, I think if this team goes into the postseason and I, 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 like like I don't even know if they have to. Win a couple of games. You know, there's some coaches out there who you're like, well, not only are they in the hot seat, they got to get to the postseason, and then they have to win a postseason game or two. If if Antonio Pierce takes over this Raiders team that was completely lost and going nowhere, and they go to the playoffs, my my money's on him coming back next season. And and I don't think it would be a bad hire. At the very least, you got to get the right coach for your team. You got to get the right coach where the players in that locker room believe in that guy. And at the very least, through two games, through two victories, through two wins at home, through two wins where they've smoked cigars post-game and it's felt like a championship, they've got the right guy. So long term, we'll see how it plays out. But in the short term, through two games, through two wins, it does seem like Antonio Pierce is the right coach for this team, and uh, we'll see how they do moving forward. Okay, so let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by the Sporting Tribune's Grant Mona and Brandon Deutsch to talk about the Clippers, the Lakers, a little bit about the Raiders, and so much more. We come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Los Angeles in Southern California, the Bat in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show, presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 716 White. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, Call our hotline, 310-400-0340. All right, let's head back out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. By the way, it's the Circus Sports. If you don't have a ticket to, like, F1, although tickets are 
dropping for F1. If you don't have a ticket for F1, they'll be playing them on the big screens out there on Stadium Swim and in the world's largest sports book as well. So go check that out this weekend. All right, let's head out to Circus Sports. Get that line and joining us now is Grant Mona, Brandon Deutsch. Um, okay, let's start here. Let's start here. We got to start with the Clippers before we get into other stuff. I know Grant, uh, by the way, you know, listen, Grant's realistic. This is this is uh, what Grant uh, did not want to have happen, but he said it could potentially happen. All right, the uh, Clippers have this great summer where they have a players-only retreat to Las Vegas, and they uh, hold part of training camp in Hawaii, and they're playing together, and they're blending, and they're gelling, and everyone gets their roles, and they're three and one, and that one loss you know, kind of not a bad loss because it's technically a bad loss to Utah, but the players get together, they, they, they talk things out. Anyway, it seems like they, they, they're kind of on the same page. And then you take a sledgehammer to that team and you uh, trade away a bunch of glue guys in uh, Nick Batum and Rocco, who Grant Mona loves so much. And then long term, I mean, pe- pe- like, people are thinking like they, they, they took a flyer out on James Harden. I mean, at the end of the day, we'll see how this all plays out. They did also trade two first-round t- draft picks, a pick swap, and two second-round draft picks. So, all right, Grant, I'm going to start with you because you were – and again, it's only five games, I know, but uh, it's not going well. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? Uh, my thoughts are that it's kind of getting worse, I feel like. There's so much more media coverage about this. There's so many more people talking about it now that it's not doing well with this whole James Harden thing yeah. to where now people are questioning, oh, is Ty Lue's job status up in the air? Is Kawhi Leonard maybe, is he getting frustrated and does he want out now? Is Paul George a trade candidate? Uh, do they move Russell Westbrook or James Harden to the bench? And listen, I think everyone that knows basketball, every former player I've seen that's talked about this trade so far agrees that either James Harden or Russell Westbrook has to come off the bench. And I am in agreement with that, but it just seems like this team and Ty Lue is adamant about sticking to that 10-game sample size. And Arash, I've mentioned this on shows before, is that... It, you can't let it get to that 10 games. You got to do it now. And if you're going to do any change, it's got to be that first. Um, and I, I believe, you know, I said Russ should come off the bench initially, but after looking at some of the on off stats and some of the plus minuses, um, I think James Harden should come off the bench. And I know that's probably a hot take. And I know with his status and how, you know, big of a name that he is, that's probably not the ideal situation for him and what he probably envisioned for himself on this team, but it's got to happen. I know Brandon's going to support my, my, my situation here is because James Harden just has not been good with the Clippers. He just hasn't. His plus my, I think he had a team worst minus 31 uh, on the game on Sunday. He just does not look fit for that starting lineup. Somebody's got to sacrifice. They talked about sacrifice a lot on this team. Everyone was talking about, hey, you know, there has to be sacrifices made, whether, you know, I don't get the points I need, I don't get the touches I needed. Now it has to happen. We have to see it come to fruition because it's just going to keep getting worse. And, you know, Patrick Beverly said on his pod a few days ago is that, they're going to be an awful regular season team unless they change something. And I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, they're just, the rotations are a mess. I talked about the Lakers rotations. They seem to have figured it out, but right now the Clippers are in disarray. And unless they make a significant change like that, where they send somebody to the bench, I don't see it getting any better. Well, by the way, I think there's two things we need to hit here. The first thing is, you know, Philly has the best record in the NBA. Maxie's turned into a superstar and, you know, he was close. He was close to that and he really needed, no Harden to flourish. At the same time, Harden was excellent last year. 
Um, you know, they really played to his strengths. They put DeAnthony Melton out there a lot in Philadelphia. They had some shooters. I know Cor- wasn't Cormaz there? They yeah. or Niang? Niang too. Niang was there. Niang is always. You know, people joke about the the whole, th- you know, his, his uh, headshot as an NBA player. But the guy can play basketball at the end of the day. Those are the guys that James Harden works with in the pick-and-roll game with Embiid. He's lacking, obviously, the big that's mobile enough to run the pick-and-roll game in. Because Zubac is not an offensive player. Say what you want about him. He's great. You know, he does. He can get rebounds, offensive rebounds, put it back in. Plumlee would probably be more fit for that pick-and-roll game. But he's hurt. So I think those are two things we just have to start off right there. Another thing Arash brought up is they gave up that future draft capital yeah. for a guy. By the way, no one else wanted James Harden. <laughs> he would have sat out all year. The 76ers did not want to play him. And the Clippers said, well, if we get to keep Terrence Mann, sure, we'll just give you our only two picks left that we have in 28, which made no sense. Now, going back to the immediate issue here before we, we move on on this topic – I, I do think that, you know, James Harden's not in shape yet. I think that's evident. He's not in basketball shape. I mean, he didn't play first. I mean, and then you, like a rush that take a sledgehammer to a team, it's hard to get chemistry right off the bat. I do think Harden will play better, though. I don't think this is like a, he's cooked, he's done. Like, I know he's been playing awful. I think he they, guys need to play complementary basketball, and that starts with either Harden coming off of the bench or Westbrook coming off of the bench. Now I don't think it's I don't think it's good for the team if you put Harden on the bench. I just don't think that's going to gel correctly right now. Um, I think you maybe can justify it now by saying he's not in basketball shape. We're going to start him on the bench and then move him to the starting lineup later in the season. But I think eventually Russ has to come off of the bench. I think he's he's excellent with that second unit. We saw that in the playoffs when they had injuries. Put Norman Powell out there, who's been bad. He needs to play better, and I think he will. Put Bones Highland, give him some more minutes. Kobe Brown. They need to start rotating guys similar to what Darvin... Look, say what you want about Darvin Ham. The Lakers have rotated a ton of guys and saw. I've seen what works through the first few games. And Ty Lue isn't doing that. I see on the stat sheet, it's like 38 minutes Kawhi, 38 minutes like uh, Paul George, 38 minutes... Like, what are you doing, dude? Play him 30 minutes and see who else can come on and step into their role, right? And I Grant, did, yeah, yeah I guess, I mean, But this is what we've, we've, we've talked about because it's not so much that... Listen, they're going to win games. They're not going to continue to lose the rest of their games. But what Grant has touched on, and Brandon, you've mentioned this before, is they've now put themselves in a position where they're going to be either a play-in team or they're going to get like that 7-8 seed where they're going to play Denver in round one where it's like, right now we, we can all agree that the Clippers are not a championship team, but they're now put themselves in a position where they got to just really fight hard to be a 7-8 team c team and go up against a team that they're probably not going to be in round one and so that's my concern i do think harden will gel at some point i do think that they win some games i do think that they make it into the postseason but the way things are going grant uh, you touch on this i mean they've, they've now put themselves in a position where they're probably going to lose in round one once again it's literally the same thing that we're that we saw last year at this point is that the, there's guys in and out of the lineup there's no cohesion there's no practice now here's the thing about it, it that, that not a lot of people are bringing up when you have a full train if they did this trade in July exactly the team would not be doing this right now yep they would be clicking yep. on all cylinders they didn't have a training camp they didn't have a preseason together so you know last year it was the same thing guys were in and out of the lineup you can't practice during the season and you practice here and there but it's not like full practices running sets running you know you just have a shoot around and then you go out about your day and then you show up to the arena again it's not really full 
you know, full practices. So now that it's in season, the trade was made so early, you built all that. And Paul George mentioned this last game in his post-game interviews. You built up all this chemistry and you knew your role coming out of training camp and preseason. And to make the trade three, what is it, three, four games into the season? Now you kind of have to have another full training camp by yourselves. Just, yeah. hey, go figure it out, guys. And judging, and here's another thing that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Judging by how Paul George and Kawhi are talking about Robert Covington and Nico Batum, kind of seems like Steve Ballmer and Lawrence Frank did this without the stars input because both of those guys saying oh it's, it's tough to lose connectors like Batum and R Robert Covington and it seems like they didn't want those guys to go and it, I, I don't know because I know there's reports coming out that this was done by Ballmer and, and Josh Harris late in the night you know when nobody knew it was coming I don't really like that because that just signals to me that they didn't even go to the stars and say, hey, we're losing these two guys. What do you think? They just said, hey, let's just do it. Get rid of everything. Let's go and, and do it, which it hurts the chemistry one. And it brings it, it takes away players from that lineup that could have helped right now. Yeah. Can I bring up one last thing on this topic? When we look at the champions of the past 10 years, look at every single champion. Isn't there a young guy that steps up and that has a role at some, whether it was pool on the Warriors the year mm -hmm. they won, you know, Christian Brown last year for the Nuggets and Peyton Watson in certain times, right? Like go on, go to the Lakers uh, uh, on their Caruso. run last year. Yeah. Caruso. And then last year Reeves stepped up. They didn't win, but Reeves got them far. The clip and this goes to my point, Grant, we've been saying this for years. When are you going to play Brandon Boston Jr. when he comes back? Are you even going to You need to start playing that guy. He's talented. They've had him for years. You need to start implementing young guys. Highland is the only young guy they play. Kobe Brown hasn't seen a minute. Why? I guarantee now, you guys would be Brandon, closer if he was And now, playing. Brandon, Bones Highland is out of the rotation, according to Ty Lue, for whatever reason. Dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb. What offense are you going to have now? Yeah? I mean, the guy can That's score true. at will. I, I don't understand that at all. I don't get it. I mean... At least Marcus Morris isn't on the team, right, Grant? <laughs> Listen, the, the Clippers haven't won since they traded Marcus Morris. So they they needed him. They needed him. He brings grit and moxie. They I needed guess. him on the roster. I guess so. Grant, that is such a great point, though. I mean, the, the way that, that Kawhi and Paul George, and again, not that they're going to not talk highly of them, but they, 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 they do sound like um, two players who are basically saying, hey, like we had a good thing going here. In terms of our kind of off season, you know, we went to Vegas, we went to Hawaii, we were kind of gelling. And then these two just glue guys, which is what he said, you know, Robert Covington and Nicholas Batum, just, it's just, um, it's gone now. And so we'll, we'll see how, how this all plays out. Generally speaking, though, the Clippers have looped in. They've kind of gone like out of their way to, you know, loop in Kawhi and loop in Paul George. Uh, if that's not the case with James Harden, that would be very, Telling of uh, where they're at right now. All right, let's switch gears to the Lakers. Again, I'm not as concerned as some people are. Not Again, it's so early in the season, but uh, they've just not been healthy. And the people who've been uh, gone, the players who've been gone, a lot of these are sort of like the glue guys and connectors for the Lakers. Again, yes, they have missed some of their superstars. LeBron Javis has missed a game. They won that game. And Anthony Davis has missed a game. But... You know, when you don't have Jared Vanderbilt, and we looked at how you know how important he was defensively for the Lakers, and Rui Hachimura, uh, and you go down the list of some of the other players who have not, um, you know, been uh, 
with them. When this team is fully healthy, and Brandon, I want you to touch on this, I think they are one of the deeper teams in the league, one of the best defensive teams in the league. So you're not, I don't even want to say concerned. Your thoughts on the Lakers so far this season? Yeah, um, I think they're playing as expected at this point. I think they're, you know, I've said they're not a regular season team. Now, I hope they can get to the point where they can be a regular season team enough to get out of the play-in because it really drained them physically and mentally by the time they faced the Nuggets, and it was just too much. But they have the makings of a championship team, top to bottom. I mean, you say what you want. Yeah, okay, they blew some games they should have won. Like, they got drilled by the Rockets. Rockets just bum rush. By the way, with, without Anthony Davis, they had no interior protection that game. Hayes, I don't think, played that game. Uh, he wasn't back yet. It was the next game. That was huge. Christian Wood, yeah, he turned into a pumpkin in that game. Whatever. He's been good for the most part. Cam Reddish, I mean, a revelation. I mean, yeah. the guy's playing elite defense, and he's had back-to-back 17-plus game point games now and that and Rui coming back was huge for the offense without LeBron by the way they did what they need to do the Lakers teams of the pass Arash, they would have blown that game against the Blazers oh, yeah. The, yeah. the other night they would have blown that game against. we all know that okay now this team is different they found guys that can really step up and fit their roles we talk about the complete opposite of the Clippers seems like everybody on the Lakers is bought in they just know like it's LeBron and Davis and then everybody Reeves is to the bench he's like I'm cool with it I come up and then he scores 18 four and four efficient off of the bench when you get Vanderbilt back you have Gabe Vincent back they're gonna have this probably second or third best defense in basketball besides Minnesota and maybe another team I mean they're set up great especially the way LeBron's playing I do I did bring this up to Grant though Arash. I don't want to see LeBron playing these 36 37 minute games early in the season they have to find a way to win games, you know, convincingly is the next step for them. They, every single game is down to the wire. And I guarantee you the, the Grizzlies game will be down to the wire too today, right? Like, so at the end of the day, they need to win convincingly to save LeBron's legs. Because the way he looks, he looks like 2020 LeBron, 2021 LeBron. This is the best I've seen him look in a long time. So they, they have a shot if he continues to look like this and the role players continue to step up. But they need to manage his minutes. Yeah. Great. Your thoughts on the Lakers. And, you know, again, when they're healthy, I like that continuity. Again, uh, we'll see if they do anything at the trade deadline, but I like the pieces that, that they have. Yeah. I mean, look, I've always thought that they had one of the best rosters in the league, put it up against anybody one through 12 that, you know, you can match it up with the Celtics roster in the East. And I think it's one of the best in the league. The, the Like you guys mentioned, the issue has been health. I mean, Rui Hachimura, he came right back into that bench lineup and just started scoring at will. I mean, he's always been that kind of guy, and he's probably an X factor for me. The other X factor for me is Jared Vanderbilt. And they just signed him to extension because of his defensive versatility, and I know that he worked on his offensive game in the offseason. So adding that to a lineup of Reeves, Rui, Davis, Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes, whoever, Cam Reddish, this has the potential healthy wise to be one of the best defenses in the league. And we just haven't seen it yet. I mean, this Laker team, they're going to get the good offense from LeBron's. I mean, I know he got banged up, but he looks like he avoided a major injury there. It looked pretty scary for a little bit. He came back into the game and just dominated the sun. So I'm really not worried about him. Anthony Davis, you know, people forget about this over his last five games. He's looked amazing. I mean, he even, you know, he missed that one game due to health, but he's been fantastic. High rebounds, high points each game, being a great defender in the paint. Um, people just get away from it because they saw him miss that one game. Like, oh, here we go again. But Anthony Davis is the dominant Anthony Davis that we saw in the playoffs last year. So they have a lot of things going. And of course, people are going to go at Darvin Ham's head again just because that's the fault guy. But 
right now with a team this deep, and I know because of, I've, I've been a Clipper fan and I know that we've had deep teams, when you have this much talent, you have to tinker with rotations. You have to throw guys out and see if it works. And you may lose games because of it early on, and that's what you see right now. They're just trying to find things to work with. And they found Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish has been a revelation for them. And now he's scoring, which is another thing. So you have the defense, which is elite. He can lock up your best player, and he's scoring it from the corner or wherever it may be. Let's close out on this, and we have touched on this in the first segment. The Raiders, again, they haven't played, you know, the best teams in the league. But when you've gone through what they've gone through this season, they've won two straight games against both teams in New York, the Giants and the Jets. And it looks like at the very least, Antonio Pierce has the respect of this locker room. And Dana O'Connell, you know, they've, they've got a head coach and a quarterback that, that these guys can rally around. Brandon, I, I want to start with you. Have they turned it around enough where, I mean, could you see the silver and black making a postseason run? No, uh, it's because of their schedule. I do like the team. They should have won against the Bears. That Bears game is going to cost them a playoff spot, I'll tell you right now. And they're in a tough AFC where there's a ton of teams. I mean, everybody from that one division with the Browns, Steelers, Ravens, Bengals, they might all make the playoffs, right? They play the Dolphins, Chiefs, Vikings, Chargers, Chiefs, Chargers, um, or no, not Chargers. They already played one once. Colts, Broncos. The last two are like, you know, hopefully gimmies. But those are four straight games they could lose right now. Yeah, right. That's the big problem. They need to win one of them. I don't love Aiden O'Connell. I would still roll Jimmy G. It's an unpopular opinion. I think Jimmy G is a better game manager. O'Connell looked terrible, Grant, against the Jets. <laughs> I mean, he looked like, like Zach Wilson. I mean, it was like a carbon copy on both sides of the field, yes, uh, you know, on Sunday night or su- Sunday night. Yeah. Um, so my point here is I like what Antonio Pierce is doing. He has the locker room. I mean, they were smoking cigars after the game. They're hyped. <laughs> I mean, they hated Josh McDaniels. They're literally smoking cigars after one win in a regular season. That You must be a terrible head coach if they're doing that. But I do like the team has moxie now. And if you have moxie, you can win games they're not supposed to win. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that as long as you have a coach that backs you, look what happened with Dan Campbell last year when the Lions went on that run. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but they went on that run and now they carried that momentum into this year. I think the same can happen with the Raiders. I mean, I know they're in a tough division. You have to play the Chiefs and the Chargers, whatever it may be. The AFC is loaded too. It's not going to be easy for them, but like as like Brandon said, I love Antonio Pierce. I think he was he's he's like almost perfect for the Raiders organization. Yeah. And I understand your your thing about Aiden O'Connell and Jimmy G, but Jimmy G didn't look much better. He looked like Zach Wilson in some games. So, yes, I know there's that experience of Jimmy G, but if you're rolling with Aiden O'Connell, it's just like, oh, my God, I'm going to relate everything to the Clippers. It's like taking a sledgehammer. (laughs) If you have something rolling, just stick with it. And I think the Raiders... They can compete with a lot of teams just because of Max Crosby and that, you know, they have Devontae Adams, they have Josh Jake, Brandon Jake, you know, whatever it may be, they're going to compete in a lot of these games, whether they win or not, and they can carry that into next year too. You know what'll be just just because I think that Mark Davis regrets pulling the plug on Rich Pasaccia, I do think that that Antonio Pierce, and I would not have thought this. Again, he's never been a head I mean, he was a head coach. At Long Beach Poly, that was his only head coaching experience. Was a def- <laughs> defensive coordinator, powerhouse, and a, and a linebacker. local legend. Hey, it, yeah. if if he just gets them into the postseason, or if they're in a position that last game of the year, where if they just win that, they're kind of there. If if he got them on the cusp, I think Antonio Pierce can go from being a linebackers coach, never had been a head coach in college or pro, to being a head coach of this team full time. Well, we'll see how the how it plays out, but. 
as you guys well know, if you've got at least the respect and the trust of the players in the locker room, which Josh McDaniels did not have, you've at least put yourself in a position to win. And it does seem like the Raiders have done that. Uh, we'll see how well they do. They do, but Brandon, you're 100% right. They got a tough schedule ahead of them. Grant and Brandon, we'll have you back on, I'm sure, this week. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Until next time, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.